0: But what I came to realize is that it wasn't fearlessness they achieved, it was courage. And while the words sound similar, the difference is critical. Fearlessness is jumping off of the cliff and not thinking about it. You know, that's idiotic in my opinion. You know, if anyone tells me they're fearless, I want nothing to do with them. Courage, on the other hand, is acknowledging your fears, analyzing the consequences and then deciding you care so much about it, you're still going to take one thoughtful step forward anyway.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up Podcast. Guys, I am thrilled to bring you this episode with Alex Benayan. His new book, The Third Door, is, I think, important. Matter of fact, in this interview, I talk about the fact that uh, I'm sharing it with more high school students which is funny because it's more or less a business book, but he says, you know, he's gotten a lot of feedback and it's starting to become curriculum in some schools. The offer he gives in this interview, if you're an educator, take him up on it. I get a lot of guests who are very opinionated and very passionate about education, but he's giving a specific offer that is A, worth a listen, and B, uh, he's, he's sincere in his quest. So, If you are in education, A, give this a listen. Please give it a share if it brings you value. And... and Lastly, consider uh, reaching out to him. Lastly, he is giving away one free signed copy. So if you want to be a part of that, you can always uh, leave us an email. Don at at StartEdUpInnovation.com. I'll put you in the drawing. Other than that, I'm going to get out of the way on this one. If you're a parent, teacher, student, this is one that I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy. Take some notes, connect with this guy, check out the book, The Third Door. So without further ado, Alex Benayan. All right, now I'm excited to have Alex Benayan on the show. Thank you, Alex, for being on. Thank
0: you for having me.
1: All right, so this is take two. Let's Uh, do it. Yes, I'm excited about this. So the third door is something I've been excited about. And really, quite frankly, I've talked to my students about anyway, ordered the book and, and have talked to them about how we live in the greatest age, right? So let's dive right into why I think this should be a blueprint for and I know you didn't write this for high school students, but I, I think this is a blueprint for any student that says that they can't and wants to get out there. Let's, let's dig in.
0: Hmm. You know, what's funny is that the book, although it's you know, technically a business book, has already been implemented into curriculums of high schools. Yeah. And what's blown me away the most is, okay, that's amazing on the one hand, the schools are embracing it. But I'm getting letters from parents that their 10-year-olds are reading the book, their 15-year-olds are reading the book, their 18-year-olds are reading the book. And that makes me so emotional because the whole point of this mission from the very beginning, you know, I've been working on this for seven, eight years now, is that I believe that if all these people come together, whether it's Bill Gates for business or Lady Gaga for music or Jane Goodall or Quincy Jones or Larry King, if all these people came together, not to promote anything, not for press, but really just to share their best wisdom with the next generation, young people can do so much more.
1: Yeah, but I, I think, and and I'll let you dig in here, but I think the most important thing about your journey was your journey and that you you went out of your way. And, and, <laughs> and I mean, because I, you know, that analysis paralysis or, you know, I know a lot of people that read a lot of books, but your first step was your first step. And I think that that's what I'm hoping that the students will get. I mean, no offense to the, a lot of people you interviewed. They're awesome. But what I love is your, you know, your first step. So let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about the third door and how you got here.
0: So the whole journey, you know, like I said, it started about seven, eight years ago. I was a freshman in college, 18 years old, and I was spending every day lying on my dorm room bed, staring up the ceiling. And I don't know if your students have gone through the what I want to do with my life crisis just yet, but if they haven't, it's, you know, right around the corner.
1: I and, was 35 and I had that crisis, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> right? Well, I actually, do you know what's the funniest thing? I was talking with the founder of Geek Squad and he said something amazing. He said, if you're not having that crisis every 10 years, there's something wrong with you. And I thought that was,
1: I, I thought uh, that was very poignant. No, that's a, mm. That really rings true yeah i've I've gone through three different iterations of a teaching job and and it's it literally it's every ten years, so yeah, love that
0: and so I'm going through this crisis, and to understand why I'm going through it, you have to understand that I'm the son of Persian Jewish immigrants, which pretty much means I came out of the womb, my mom cradled me in her arms, and then she stamped m d on my behind and sent me on my way, and you know, I wore. In third grade, I wore scrubs to school for Halloween and thought I was cool. You know, that was my childhood growing up. And in high school, I checked all the boxes. I took all the biology classes. I studied for the SATs. I applied to college. And By the time I got to college, I'm the pre-med of pre-meds. And very quickly, I found myself lying on my dorm room bed, looking at this towering stack of biology books feeling like they're dementors sucking the life out of me. And at first I assumed I was just being lazy, but very quickly I began to wonder, maybe I'm not on my path. Maybe I'm on a path somebody placed me on and I'm just rolling down. So now not only do I not know what I want to do with my life, I have no idea how all the people who I looked up to, how they did it. You know, how did Bill Gates sell his first piece of software out of his dorm room and nobody knew his name? How did Steven Spielberg become the youngest director in Hollywood history without a single hit under his belt? You know, this is what they don't necessarily talk about in school, so unless they're in your class. So I assume there had to be a book out there with the answers. So I'm going to the library and I'm just ripping through business books and biographies and self-help books, assuming there had to be a book out there with the answers. And what I was focused on was not necessarily about an age in someone's life, but more about a stage when you're trying to break through, when you're trying to get your foot in the door, but you can't get a phone call, you can't get a meeting. How do you find a way to launch your dream? And eventually, I was left empty handed. And that's when my naive 18 year old thinking kicked in. And I thought, well, if no one's written the book I'm dreaming of reading, Why not write it myself? You know, I thought it'd be super simple. I would just call up Bill Gates, interview him, interview everybody else, and I'd be done in a few months. That, I assumed, would be the easy part. The hard part, I figured, was getting the money to fund this journey. You know, I was buried in student loan debt. I was all out of bar mitzvah cash. So there had to be a way to get some quick money. So two nights before final exams, I'm in the library doing what everyone's doing in the library right before finals. I'm on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm on Facebook and I see someone offering free tickets to the price is right. And I was going to college in Los Angeles. So the show was filming not too far from where I went to school. My first thought was what if I go on the show and win some money to fund this dream. Mm. You know, not my brightest moment. Plus, I had a problem. I'd never seen a full episode of the show before. <laughs> you know, I'd seen bits and pieces when I was homesick from school in fourth grade, but i have never seen a full episode of the show. So, you know, I told myself it was a dumb idea and to not think about it. But I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments where an idea just keeps clawing itself back into your mind.
1: Yeah, and, and let me and let me reiterate two things. Um, so I'm a big fan and try to live my life almost in in accord with with Joseph Campbell, right? Mm-hmm. You saw your hero's journey, you just didn't know how it was gonna be funded. So first of all, kudos, like all of a sudden, this like I'm gonna write the book that I haven't written yet, and this is this is gonna be my journey. Two, I tell my own, I have three children, and I even tell them I'm like, you know, if <laughs> If your life was a book, would anybody want to read it? And so I'll jokingly tell you know, my, my kids, I'm like, no one will read. Chapter one, I scrolled through my Instagram feed. Chapter two, I watched some YouTube channels. You, you've got to create your own path because if you're not leading an extraordinary life, no one cares. And deep down inside, you don't care. So the fact that you're like, I'm going to write this book and, I, and you start to identify who you, you, you wanted, Great. But then you had this opportunities are everywhere mindset. You're like, how the heck am I going to fund it? And then boom, just maybe the first thing that came to your head, maybe it was serendipity, maybe it was fate, who knows? Uh, maybe, you know, you're like, you're a fan of the alchemist and it was your personal journey and there was an omen right in front of you. But no matter what, you're like, okay, this is my opportunity. And you started to seize it. So just for students listening out there, to dream isn't good enough. Now you're starting to to look at how to execute it. So. From this teacher's heart, you're warming it. So keep going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That means a lot. And I couldn't agree more. So, you know, going back to when I was, you know, sitting in that library with the idea, keep clawing, you know, back into my mind to prove to myself it was a bad idea. You know, I had finals in two days. To prove to myself it was a bad idea, I remember taking out my spiral notebook and writing the best and worst-case scenarios to prove to myself how idiotic it was. And I remember writing, you know, worst-case scenarios. Fail finals, get kicked out of pre-med, lose financial aid, mom stops talking to me. No, mom kills me. You know, there's like 20 cons. And the only pro was, maybe, 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 win enough money to fund this stream. And it was almost as if somebody had tied a rope around my gut and was slowly pulling in a direction. So that night, I decided to do the logical thing and pull an all-nighter to study. But I didn't study for finals. I studied how to hack the prices right.
1: This is my favorite part. And yeah,
0: I, you know I went on the show the next day and did this ridiculous strategy, and I ended up winning the whole showcase showdown, winning a sailboat, selling the sailboat, and that's how I funded the book.
1: Well, can, can I ask you to back up and say like you, you want several pages deep on how to get, first of all, the the hardest thing is to get discovered.
0: Yeah. So what I learned about the price is right during my all night of research is, you know, there's 300 people in the audience, eight of those people in the audience get called down to be contestants. And out of the eight, one wins. So, statistically, the hard part of the price is right is actually being called down from the audience as a contestant. Once you're a contestant, there's like a one in eight chance that you'll win. So, to me, I spent my entire all-nighter figuring out how to ensure I would be called down as a contestant. And, you know, the whole journey itself of the price is right is its own, like, you know, 30-minute. Preposterous story in and of itself. And it's, you know, my hacking was less Albert Einstein and more Forrest Gump, but it, <laughs> it ended up working out. And what happened is, you know, I won this sailboat and I sold it for cash and I had, I think, like $17,000, which to me was a million dollars. You know, I'm taking my friends to Chipotle, you know, free guacamole for everybody. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm feeling really good. And from there, it took two years to track down Bill Gates, it took three years to track down Lady Gaga. And what ended up happening that I was the most surprised about is one of the biggest lessons I learned over the seven years of doing these interviews and doing this research is that the biggest lesson from all the interviews was right in front of me on the day of the price is right. I just couldn't see it at the time. Mm. And when I had started this journey, there was no part of me that was looking for that, you know, one key to success. We always see those business books or those TED Talks, and normally I just roll my eyes. What ends up happening is that, you know, I just sort of look the other way, because people are just sort of trying to sell you a, a secret, you know? But what actually happened over the seven years of doing interviews is I realized that every single person I interviewed didn't matter if it was Bill Gates who grew up in Seattle or Maya Angela, who grew up in Stamps, Arkansas. They all treated life and business and success the exact same way. Mm. And the analogy that came to me, because I was 21 at the time, is that it's sort of like getting into a nightclub. So there's always three ways in. There's the first door, the main entrance, where the line curves around the block, where 99% of people wait around hoping to get in. That's the first door. And then there's the second door, the VIP entrance, where the billionaires and celebrities go through. And for some reason, school and society have this way of making us feel like those are the only two ways in. Mm-hmm. You're either born into it, or you wait your turn like everybody else. But what I've learned is that there's always, always, the third door. And it's the entrance where you jump out of line, run down the alley, bang on the door a hundred times, crack open the window, go through the kitchen. There's always a way in. And it doesn't matter if that's how Bill Gates sold his first piece of software or how Lady Gaga got her first record deal. They all took the third door. Mm. So that's not only the title and the thesis of the book, that's really the energy I've been trying to inject into the readers.
1: You know, one of the things that and I, man, I we may have talked about it last time we talked, but that rang so true to me. One because I used to teach this uh, basically as a television broadcasting class, right? And and and, it, and actually, it was we kind of built it up. It was the daily announcements, and then we started working our way up. And I was like, you know, having them producing documentary films, and and so one day I live in Indianapolis, and and one year we hosted the Super Bowl, and um, we were all excited because this was the very first year they were going to sell tickets to the NFL media day. So we're like, oh, here's our chance. Because we had you know, over-the-shoulder broadcast cameras. We had microphones, we dressed nice, and so we're like, okay, we're, we're gonna interview Tom Brady. And so um, we buy the tickets for about five, five students. And so um, on the way there, we're, <laughs> we're reading the fine print, and um, the ticket gets you in to watch the media interview the players. And we're like, wait, what? And I'm like, that's okay, that's okay. We're gonna interview players today. We're gonna interview Tom Brady today. And they're like, how? And I was like, I don't know, opportunities are everywhere. Just look and act professional. Now, mind you, they're already dressed nice. They they dress like, you know, journalists. And I'll always remember this because we were interviewing everybody. (laughs) everybody Alex I'm talking we're local TV personalities you know the the weather guy was out there doing the weather and of course it was just a circus because it's media day and so um anybody we talked to we're like you know like as soon as we're done we're like hey man can you can you get us in they're like no we were talking to NFL volunteers hey man can you get us in no We were talking to anybody and everybody, and just that moment, my Price is Right moment, we saw basically a guy who was unknown, except I had watched a 60 Minutes episode, and it was about the most powerful man in the NFL that you've never heard before, and he was the Players Association president. His name was Demore Smith. No one knows who Demore Smith is. But some luck, I had seen that the week before. So I told my student, I'm like, oh my gosh, grab him. And he's like, who is he? I'm like, just grab him. And he says, who is he? I'm like, I forget his name. I think it's, I think it's Demore Smith. So my student runs up to him and he was kept walking. He tapped him on the shoulder. He's like, sir, could you do an interview? And the guy just kept walking. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Today is about the players. It's not about the NFL. And then finally, this is the breakthrough. He said, I'm just a kid here for my school and he stopped and he turned around and he saw four students with broadcast cameras. One kid had the whole um, boom mic ready. Yeah. Handheld mic. And then their teacher looking at him like, please. And I'll never forget it because he then took them seriously and they ran with it and they interviewed him. And then all of a sudden, a couple people uh, circled by. And then all of a sudden we ran into some four ESPN guys and all this other stuff. And so we get down the interview and he says, hey, you're the teacher. I said, yeah, He goes, Man, good job. These kids are professional. I'll see you on the inside. I said, well, that's the thing. We just got tickets. We don't have actual passes. He goes, oh, hold on. He gets out his wallet, gets a business card, writes down his phone number. He says, go to security gate five. Tell them I said so. If they give you any problem, call this number. In 15 minutes, we're wow. interviewing players. That was our third door. Sorry, sorry. I just, I'm, I'm, I I'm listening to you like relive the story. I'm like, and by the way, like this is not as cool as going out and flying out and meeting all these people, but like, I'll always remember that, that my student used the third door. I'm just a kid. And there's so much power in I'm just a kid that I'm wanting more students to go, I'm just a student. Let me do this.
0: It's incredible when you just show your humanity, whether you're saying you're just a kid or if you're 60 years old and you don't understand how Twitter works, you're saying, Hey, I I just want to understand. I just want to learn. People want to help people when they.
1: Can really feel you so uh, you're you know in you're laying this out on there's a third door, right? but what is that key first component for seeking out that third door? I mean it, people might know that there's always a way around it what's what's that mental mindset you need to have to f- seek out that third door? You
0: know one of the biggest things that I've come across during this research and doing these interviews. And more interestingly, now that the book's been out for six, seven months, I've been able to talk to thousands of readers at different book tour events and hear their stories about their third doors. And it's sort of become unanimous and unavoidably clear that the biggest challenge people have when it comes to taking The third door has nothing to do with the execution of the dream. You know, the running down the alley, the banging on the door, the jumping through the window. The hardest part every single time, no matter where you're from, what your resources are, the hardest part is having the courage to leave the line for the first door. Because the first door. Is well lit. That's where everybody's lined up. All your friends are there. Your family's there. Your you know teachers expect you to be there. That's you know where you get your salary. That's where a quote unquote good good kid is standing. You know, and it's it's certain. It's comfortable. You know, the alley is dimly lit. You can barely see five feet in front of you. There's mud. There's dirt. There's a Creepy guy behind the dumpster. You don't really know what's going on. Right. It's that courage of being able to step into the unknown to achieve your dream that is the hardest part because Mm. we're human beings and fear is a natural part of the human experience. Now, when I started out on this journey, I was obsessed with trying to understand how all these people became so fearless you know you look at bill gates you look at Elon musk i assumed they had to be fearless to achieve their dreams or else how could they have done what they did and something you have to know about me is i am like the most scared kid you'll ever meet if you talk to my sisters growing up i had a nightlight on until i was 12 i never went on roller coasters i still can't even watch a scary movie So when I was starting out with this book, I was completely paralyzed by fear and I was fascinated with how all these other people became so fearless. And what ended up happening after seven years of interviews is that over and over again, it became clear that not only were all of these people scared when they were starting out, they were completely terrified the whole way through. That didn't make any sense to me, but what I came to realize is that it wasn't fearlessness they achieved, it was courage. And while the words sound similar, the difference is critical. Fearlessness is jumping off of the cliff and not thinking about it. You know, that's idiotic in my opinion. You know, if anyone tells me they're fearless, I want nothing to do with them. Courage, on the other hand, is acknowledging your fears, analyzing the consequences, and then deciding you care so much about it, you're still going to take one thoughtful step forward anyway.
1: Okay. So in some ways you, you said, I, I'm flattered that my book is starting to get into uh, schools, which I'm excited about too. How do teachers... I don't say teach that. How, how do we foster that though? And again, I, I, and of course, you knew walking into this podcast that I'm heavily about student engagement. I mean, obviously, this book is selling really well in the business community and stuff like that. But again, I'm focusing on, on kids here. How, how do I foster that? What's amazing, and just the feedback I've gotten from different teachers, different
0: educators, I've spoken at conferences where... It's a 1,000 people and all 1,000 of them are members of school boards. I've spoken to conferences where everyone in the room is a superintendent of a different district. Um, and I'm just talking with different teachers and people in the school district who I didn't even know there was a chief curriculum officer. Like I, I'm learning a lot about this. And what I've been learning and most importantly, just getting feedback from kids, especially teenagers in high school. What changes them at the end of the day? You know, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that you can give someone, you can give a child, you can give a teenager, you can give an adult all the best tools and knowledge in the world, and their life can still feel stuck. But if you change what someone believes is possible, they'll never be the same. And that's the magic in the soul of this book.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that, you is. know, yeah.
0: It, you know, if you go back to the dawn of time, you know, you look at the Bible, you look at the Odyssey, you you know, you look anything that's lasted the test of you know thousands of years. You know, the Bible didn't wasn't written as, you know, a bullet pointed PowerPoint.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's the gospels,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's the stories, and it shows people how to be a better person and how to you know serve humanity and how to serve god it doesn't yeah. it doesn't do it in bullet point bold italics you know how to recipes yeah and that's the magic of why the third door works because there's not a single bullet point there's not a single bold headline mm-hmm. it's the stories of how people broke through and launched their careers and achieved their dreams. It's how people survived rejection and persevered. It's stories of how young kids who, you know, one boy who grew up in Chicago so poor that he ate rats for dinner and how he turned into being the most celebrated person in music history in some ways. Quincy Jones. Mm -hmm. It's the story of how one young man who was growing up in, you know, a village outside of Shanghai, China, with no running water and electricity, went on to be a president at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And another story of how a young teenager living in London during the Second World War, had a dream of being able to talk to animals, went on to become the most celebrated anthropologist in the world, Jane Goodall. And what's amazing about all these stories is it's not like the third door isn't written as some academic paper where, and you know, there's nothing wrong with academic papers, but, you know, they can feel very distant sometimes. What's amazing is that these people, whether it's Jane Goodall or Larry King or Quincy Jones or Steve Wozniak or Lady Gaga they're sitting down and sort of talking directly to the reader in a way they don't normally talk in the press with a kind of vulnerability that you don't really see on sixty minutes, and that's why I think young people have been resonating so deeply with this, yeah
1: well, and just like everybody's journey was they took the journey and 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 all these daring moves and all these. You staring into the abyss and saying I'm going to do it anyway, kind of thing. It flies in the face of like, don't you mess up and fail in school and and I see education started to adapt a little bit. You know, the the whole entrepreneurial journey is starting to be celebrated by some, uh, and I'm glad that it is. You know, fail first, fail often, that kind of thing. Uh, but we don't really mean it when it comes to you know grades and SAT scores and everything else. So, but at least the after school hours you're telling these, you know, in my case, students to pursue this, that there is no, you know, what is the old saying? You know, everything is, as it should be that if you mess up, there will be your treasure because in that mess up, you're going to discover something. And, um, you know, the, the person that, that gets out there on the dance floor, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. you and I both know Tom Billy. Tom even, you know, told me a story like, you know, you don't, you don't go home with a girl. If you don't ask kind of thing, the guy that goes out to the dance floor and just dances and dances and dances and isn't afraid of rejection.
0: Right. Or the girl
1: with the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The girl is relentless and not afraid to, uh, you know, take some risks and take some chances. It's, it's everything that I love in the mindset. And, and that's one of the things that I just really wanted to interview you on and, and, and congratulate you uh, on the book just because it is, it's important. And I'm so happy to hear that some, schools are adopting it or having their students read it. And it's, it's, a, it's a great book. Um, but it's that mindset that I think that we're all starting to, to look at and go, man, we need to foster that in our students.
0: Yeah. And again, what makes me so happy is that, you know, I remember being in high school, it wasn't that long ago. And you sort of sometimes get forced to read certain things or do certain assignments. And the fact that young people are taking this sort of upon themselves because they're hungry to learn how the stuff works makes me so happy. And especially, you know, oh, my yeah. favorite, my favorite comments by far, my highest compliment by far is when I get a message on Instagram or Twitter from a teenager saying, this was the first book I read front to back.
1: <laughs> that is and I'm awesome.
0: like, my first response is, thank you. My second response is, have you checked out Harry Potter?
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's three other ones. Yeah, yeah get out there.
0: Uh, no. But again, well, I, how funny I know, is that, that? Feeling. Oh, I know I... that feeling of yeah. reading a book front to back. And it only happens, at least for me, a few times in a lifetime right. where I literally read a whole book. Um, again, when I get messages from readers where, you know, one girl said that she's dyslexic and it's the first time she's ever wanted to keep reading halfway through the book oh, instead of stopping. That's awesome. And that to me makes mm. us all feel worth it.
1: Absolutely. That's great. Well, and, and, and the irony is, is that now the tables have turned. Now all of a sudden people are seeking you out, tracking you down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how far we've come. And when you started, social media was a thing, but not as exploited as now. And, and, and some people have more access now. And, and, and it's never been a better time uh, than to get a hold of people. And, and I think that's, it's exciting. Um,
0: I agree. I but yeah,
1: it, it is kind of funny. Like all of a sudden I see pictures of you and I'm like, wait, now you're with Larry King and he's turning the tables on you. But <laughs> congratulations. And if you don't mind, can I share with the audience our first encounter? Of course, whatever you want. <laughs> so um, my students wanted me to bring this up, not let me let it down, live it down. So um, I had tracked uh, Alex down and man, I was kind of proud. I was interviewing you really early before you went on the book tour. I had scooped. And beaten a couple of my uh, my favorite people that were going to interview you, and things were going along great. And I was about ready to wrap up the last question, and we were under some time constraints. She had a hard stop, and uh, right when I was about to say thank you for being on the show, I realized I'd never press record. And uh,
0: <laughs> which, as a, as a fellow interviewer, I the, I've had I've woken up from nightmares in a cold sweat of that thought happening. Yeah. I I felt for you man. I know you I know you did not do it on purpose and I, I feel for you.
1: You live and learn. But I'm at least transparent these things and I I was so disappointed because I'm like, "Hey, can we do this again?" And you're like, "I'm going on this book tour and I'm going to be insanely busy." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, I'll be, I'll be patient." But in the meantime, I do have to say it was a fun learning experience and I have shared that story with at least four or five of my guests. I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to press record as soon as we start talking." Because there's this guy, Alex Benayan, that I, <laughs> so anyway, glad you're patient. I'm glad you got back with me. Of course, I, and
0: thank you, man.
1: If, if you're a parent, um, and I, I should, had I actually recorded this podcast a long time ago, I would recommend it for Christmas, but it's a great gift as, as we start heading into graduation season. Um, I highly recommend it for everything that we've talked about here today. I, I think that that, you fostering that, go out there and get it. There is a third door. There is a way around it. You don't have to do it like everybody else. It's so important. Um, and yeah, there's credibility because of the people you interviewed, and it's nothing short of astounding who you got a hold of. But you having that aha moment, setting that journey into motion, was really what spoke to me. And and I, man, for all the teachers listening out there, consider um, consider this for your classroom. It's it's uh, it's inspiring for sure.
0: I love that. And something that I've been offering to the different, you know, I told you, I I spoke to superintendents and school boards. something I've been offering since this is the first year of the book is that any of, I pretty much tell any principal or superintendent who I meet, any district or any high school that has the third door for, you know, part of the curriculum for all their students, I will fly out. I don't care where your high school is. And come do a talk, meet the students, because it just means so much to me.
1: There you go, well, that's an endorsement. Oh my goodness! Well, I was going to suggest you uh, go on Skype and <laughs> talk to my students. No, I
0: it. will. I don't care. You know, if your school is you know six hours away from the airport, I'll come make it ap- happen at some point because I care that much about
1: this. Well, that speaks highly. Speaks highly of you.
0: Thirddoorbook.com. But yeah, the book is available everywhere you like to buy books so it doesn't matter if it's again Amazon or Barnes and Noble or if you like audiobooks i i did the narration myself on audible and itunes so it's really fun there um that's actually been one of my one of the mo- mo- more fun parts of the process was recording the audio book
1: uh and then obviously you're on linkedin twitter all that good stuff Uh, at Alex Benayan you guys should check him out Alex
0: thank you so much
1: from the bottom of my heart man thank you so (laughs) much for interview number two but interview number one that was done the right way so thank you and continued success my friend
0: thank you so 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 much